0: Hey listeners, the intro here is a bit different this time because I have some news to share. This is my last podcast for Talent 10x as I've found another job opportunity. It's a bittersweet farewell for sure. When I took over Talent 10x after Frank Coleman left, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but it's been fantastic to get to know my interview subjects, edit these episodes, and share them with you. However, with my departure, the podcast will be on hiatus after this episode. If you're looking for additional content though, please comb through our nearly two years of archives. Otherwise, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for listening. Now on to the episode. Cheers. Talent Economy is a publication of Human Capital Media. For more coverage, visit talenteconomy.io. Also, subscribe to Talent 10x on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Talent 10X. I'm your host, Lauren Dixon, Senior Editor over at Talent Economy. Joining me are two guests, Rick Bell, Editorial Director at Human Capital Media and Self-Described Class Clown, and also Ed Fraunheim. He is a former Associate Editorial Director at Human Capital Media, and he currently works as Senior Director of Research and Content at Great Place to Work. He is a co-author of A Great Place to Work for All. Thank you so much for joining me, Rick and Ed.
1: Yeah,
2: um, certainly
1: not the valedictorian
2: here. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't either, uh, but I'm also glad to be here.
0: Thank you. So today we're going to do something a little different with the podcast. We're having both of you on to go head to head about generations and what they demand from the workplace. So a little bit of background on how this came to be. For Workforce Magazine, a sister publication of Talent Economy, Rick wrote an op-ed about how new generations aren't quite so different from older ones. He wrote sort of a faux commencement speech full of Gen Z buzzwords, which was very entertaining to read, but I will omit for time. But so our listeners are aware, I'll read a little bit from your op-ed, Rick. Generation Y has been poked, prodded, and overanalyzed in the workplace to the point of near paranoia. Hundreds, if not thousands of books offer overhyped drivel, like what's wrong with millennials in the workplace to simply understanding millennials in the workplace. This generational obsession is a load of crap. I never got it and still don't. Rick goes on to say to Gen Z, some experts contend that you can be choosy about your job in this economy. Don't accept your first offer, one so-called culture expert wrote, since you may be stepping into a dangerous company culture. What an incredibly arrogant and ignorant statement. You can't even know that there will be a second offer. Rick goes on to say that experience is more important than company culture in those early jobs.
1: That's right, fam. (laughs) You can't even know what you're going to be getting into. Um, And Yeah, I I, I truly firmly believe that, that uh, as good as this economy really is, that there's there's still trouble finding jobs for for young people. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit, I know.
0: Yes. So to this column, Ed had a rebuttal headlined, Advice for Gen Z, demand a better workplace than we did. Ed said in his op-ed, Rick's faux commencement speech to the class of 2018 can be summed up simply, nothing really changes. As a result, members of Gen Z coming out of college should not expect anything different from the work world than what us older folks have faced. Young people, don't buy the depressing vision he's selling because you can push for a much better work life than we older fogies have tolerated. We boomers and Gen Xers traded in job stability for work arrangements that have been rife with job insecurity, reduced worker bargaining power, stagnant wages for most employees, and most recently, a lot of involuntary gig jobs. Gen Zers can look at the millennial generation to see a cohort of people successfully protesting the way things have been done. They have forced organizations to take work-life balance more seriously, to build more meaning into jobs to provide more feedback and career development. And unlike when Rick and I first got into the workforce, young people today have tools of transparency at their disposal. Using these tools, new graduates can choose to apply to companies that are likely to create a positive workplace culture. So Gen Z, please choose idealism over cynicism. Demand a better workplace than we did.
2: Thank you, Lauren. Well, well excerpted there.
0: Thank you. Um, So there are some strong opinions in here. So I'm curious, reading each other's stories, where did each of you find value and where do you hold steadfast in your opinions?
1: Well, let me start because in Ed's op-ed, he, uh, he says right here, in a sense, Rick is right. It's like, drop the mic. (laughs) End of of podcast. Uh, Ed, Ed obviously makes a lot of good points and, uh, but it's a lot of pie in the sky. I, I, again, I go back to the reality that there's a lot of young people out there, a lot of Gen Zers who are just desperate to get their first job. And sometimes you have to forego culture in order to get your first job.
2: Fair enough. Uh, you know, and this is a long running, uh, argument, Lauren, that Rick and I have had me, I, I sometimes call him cynical Rick and I'm like <laughs> the idealist, uh, uh, we're eight years of doing this when we worked together and, and I do acknowledge, like you're saying, Rick, a lot of people can't be completely choosy about their jobs. They're gonna, you know, they they need to get out of their parents' basement. Um, and experience can be a great teacher uh, for, for, you know, life lessons. But I I think that the times have changed, you know, and can change can change more. And that really, people coming out of uh, out of college right now can. Give themselves decent odds of avoiding a lot of the pain that, that you and I had to wrestle with uh, that, that is to say, they can look for a, a pretty healthy culture uh, using uh, tools like Glassdoor, best workplace lists, including the ones that that we generate with Fortune, and they can really ultimately uh, you know push for more balance, meaning and, and feedback, and when they do that, everyone benefits because if they're pushing for a better workplace, everybody ends up having having one along the way.
1: Yeah. um, You know, they're going to deal with uh, Gen Z is no different in terms of what they're going to deal with in the workplace. They're going to have uh, difficult situations and they're going to have great bosses and bad bosses. Um, Think about it. I mean, we're talking about somebody who's in their early 20s right now, likely working into their 60s and possibly their 70s. If we're looking at what Current trends are are showing us. Um, they're gonna have great co-workers and crummy co-workers. They're gonna have layoffs and downsizings and offboardings and pay raises and 10% pay cuts and bonuses and uh, the perks that uh, that come with working in a in a workplace. And I, I hope they can find a great culture. And I hope they can find a great culture in their first time out because What that does is that sets you up to, to know what a great culture is. And then when you go to that next place and that next place after that, and that next place after that, it's like, God, that was a great place to work that first place out. I, I, very quickly, I can use my, my youngest daughter as an example. Um, Her earliest jobs were in really crummy retail environments. And then when she went to work for a convention, the convention department at, um, a large hotel she found a great workplace and and uh and great co-workers um and since then she's gone on to some other jobs that have been great but not necessarily as good so and she talks about that so i i i hope they can find a great opportunity the first time out but i, I i'm just trying to be realistic here ed
2: well i see your point uh and and a lot of them are going to these young people are going to have Uh, From your bosses, if I can just uh, follow up here, but I do think you know, it's not the same though, Rick. I mean, you and I started off in newspapers. I'm I wonder. I suspect you had this one of my first bosses was was a yeller. You know, he's like screaming across the newsroom. You know, where's my uh, where's my story on the on the water the the sewer uh, council meeting? You know, and and uh, that you know is not acceptable anymore. In, mo- in many or most companies. So certainly not the sort of um, sexism that was more rampant when we were younger in the workplace. Uh, you know, the Me Too movement has made a difference, so is the tight job market also helps when, when people feel like they can stay, say, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be abused at work. You know, it, it's not a perfect world by any means, but I, I think there really have been genuine improvements and, and, a, and a higher bar set uh, by companies for, for what constitutes a good good leadership.
1: Yeah, but don't you remember that editor? And it's like, it's like, yeah, you know what, I need to turn my story in on time, because you knew that there were pressures. And it's like, one of the pressures is, you're going to get your butt chewed, if you don't get that story filed on time. And if you don't get that story filed on time, the next time, and the next time after that, you're probably going to be out on the street looking for another job. So in essence, that's sort of like conditioning. And and I look, I'm, I'm not a yeller. I don't think I've ever been one um, in all my years as an editor. Um, but you can appreciate the, the the deadline pressures that come with a daily newspaper, even a weekly or or a monthly publication, or or an online publication, because you got to get that content out there.
2: Lauren, I know we might be going down a rabbit hole here, but I do not agree that fear is a good motivator, uh, and I think the data backs me up on that one. You know, so maybe I don't know if you want to just in a different direction but I, I would argue that our own research suggests that bosses that are that are the quieter ones are the more uh, inspirational ones as opposed to the the, the browbeating ones are the ones that get better results and that's certainly has happened in my experience and, I, and I'm glad that when I was working for you you didn't yell <laughs> thank you for that
1: well I, I yelled because you're out in San Francisco and I was
0: yeah, I think this is a, an interesting conversation, certainly. I think that while people do have to be pushed to create better work, and of course, they do have to just at some point get a job, whether it has a good company culture or not. Um, also, sometimes, like my dad says, you need a good, bad example. Like you said, Rick, uh, your daughter, she had a, a good company culture and then a not so great one, and then she could appreciate that good one. So I think sometimes you have to, in life in general, you have to kind of go through some hard times to be able to appreciate the good ones. But those companies that provide you the hard times probably aren't going to see as good of a result as, uh, regarding the company profits and bottom line.
2: Yeah, Amen. And I'll, I'll let I'll let you take that first, Ed. <laughs> well, I think that's that is exactly what our data suggests in terms of the. The companies, the teams, let's we get, take it to the team level. We, we just did research on 10,000 managers uh, and 75,000 employees that we mentioned in, in the book, uh, that you mentioned Good Place Work For All. And what we found is that the, the leaders that were the ones that, uh, that are highly motivational in terms of, of keeping people focused on the mission, the, the inspiration behind their work, uh, that uh, generate a, a lot of trust, create close bonds, uh, that, that step back and let others take the credit. These are folks that are not your kind of uh, stereotypical yelling boss, uh, editor, say. Um, they're the ones that have they have 21% greater uh, productivity on their teams. They have higher indicators for agility, for retention, and for uh, innovation. So I think, and, that, and, and we're not alone in finding this kind of data. So I don't even think I would agree with you that it's great to have the negative examples. If you think about, you know, we probably had enough of those as kids in school. Um, but you know, even even if I grant you that, I, I do think the evidence suggests you're going to get a you're going to have a better company performance if you're leading in, in a more uh, enlightened way, if you will, with, with uh, motivation and inspiration as opposed to fear.
1: Well, all right, okay. So granted, I'll, I'll I'll give you that. But what happens when the when the economy turns down? What, what like what happened in 2008? And you're seeing your colleagues left and right being laid off. You're seeing whole departments being sliced, um, and it's not just once in a li- in a working lifetime. In in most cases, I mean, we went through 2008. There was a re- the recession of 2001 after the dot com bust. Go back to 91, 1980, um, and and you know there was the paternalistic feeling of large corporations back in the 50s and 60s and into the 70s but then but then once we hit the 80s you saw the downsizings and the right sizings and uh just just hundreds of people being laid off at, at one time and, and and that's a scary thing that that actually hardens people i think as much as anything and and creates sort of a cynical atmosphere so in the good times yeah ed i i i i would i would argue that it's pretty easy to build a good culture in this type of a an economic environment, but you know as well as I do and lauren, you know this too that the next the next recession is just around the corner mm-hmm. um I'm not saying that it's imminent, but it's it's coming <laughs> there mm-hmm. history indicates that
2: sure and i and i would i think you're right about that and um And you're right also that a lot of people could be out on their ears and and, uh, a lot of companies. But that, to me, is even all the more reason for Gen Z and young people to seek out a good employer now. Because those good employers tend to be the best to be at when there is a downturn. Uh, I remember we wrote some stories back when I was at Workforce, Rick, about the companies that that collectively work to cut costs. Uh, Your HCL technologies, for example. Uh, or companies that chose furloughs as opposed to mass layoffs. I've been uh, studying, like, the chip company, NVIDIA, uh, you know, not in the face of a – well, maybe it was actually around a recession, but they you know, they kept a lot of employees for a unit that wasn't working out for mobile phone chips, and they, they said, find another place to add value, and they ended up making the, the technologies that's driving self-driving cars. So it's vitally important that you try to get to one of these places because you're most likely to survive. The recession unscathed or, or doing well and i would also say this is an issue that goes beyond you know our our parameters of the workforce because i think it's something that uh young people should be thinking about in terms of what does our social safety net look like as a country you know even as a world uh, if, if we're going to allow for kind of economic insecurity uh, at a mass level I, I think that's the kind of thing that you know wherever we are seeing people not just young people but i think that that's part of the populist Push that, that Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump captured is like this economy is not really working uh, because there's too much of this turmoil and turbulence and uh, so that's at a at a broader level. But I do think I would urge young folks to try to get to those good workplaces because they will best be served during the the recessions that as I agree with and I agree with you that they're coming.
0: So now I'm sure you're you're all aware of the narrative of the job hopping millennial and I'm sure in your words Rick this is overhyped drivel and I'm sure that will continue with Gen Z and likely whatever the next generation is. And so before I ask my question I'll share some debunking of this that I wrote last September. I spoke with Emmy Sock, an economist at the Division of Labor Force Statistics at BLS. He said tenure of people in their 20s has been mostly flat since the 80s when data collection on the trend began. BLS data finds that this trend of tenure is not so much a generational issue, but rather is a characteristic of where someone is in the employee life cycle. So with people nowadays, there is that employment life cycle issue, but I'm also curious if job churn among young people is a chicken or egg situation. Are employers investing less in young people because they assume they'll just jump ship after a year or two? Or are young people moving jobs because there is a lack of investment in them to begin with?
2: Um, How come you get Uh, to go first again?
1: uh, You went first last time. (laughs) Want to
2: go first again? Fine. Go. All right, wait. So, you know, just trying to be fair here. Um, if I can, if I may, can I take this first, Rick?
1: Go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> here, I'm gonna do my jiu-jitsu move and jump in. I think Lauren, I love your research on that. I, I hadn't actually read that that work of yours, and I but I love it. And it dovetails with our research. A great place to work as well. And I'd say it's the egg, not the chicken. In other words, the the idea that millennials will stay at a workplace when it's a great experience for them, which usually includes career development investments. And it, I, I would frame it more that they have high standards than that they are hopeless job hoppers. Because uh, what we found is that when millennials uh, don't experience a great culture, uh, on our trust index survey, uh, we've, and we've, now we're getting results from about 500,000 employees on an ongoing basis, only about 5% of millennials want to stay. They say they want to uh, stay at their organization for a long time but when uh, employees do experience a great work culture somewhere uh, like 9 out of 10 of them want to stay for a long time um and maybe to your point about the life stage you know we found that uh, baby boomers are a lot less tolerant of a crummy workplace you know they, like 14 or 15% of them will stay at a workplace for a long time will say they want to stay for a long time even if they're not experiencing a great culture and again more than 90% of them will stay if it's a great work uh, uh culture so they you know People of all generations want to stay great workplaces, is what we found. And millennials just, they have a high uh, expectation out of their companies. And maybe it is partly that they have more opportunities to jump around because they don't have families to take care of. But uh, I, I think that it's not a, a hopeless situation that, that young people are going to jump around. If you have a great culture for them, if you do show that you're caring about their training, their, uh, how they can increase their skills, that's really important to them. Uh, you, you, will, you will find that they'll stick around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Learning and development is truly crucial to creating a a, a good workplace. Um, that being said, uh, I mean, I just harken back to my early days, and I was I was always looking for that next step up the ladder. Um, not because I wanted to hop jobs, yeah, sometimes because the environment was maybe was better at another place, but it was opportunities. So you go from being a a first-time reporter to being um, an associate editor or you go to you go to be uh, an assistant managing editor or you become the managing editor you know it's it's that career progression Um, that's what drives a lot of people and and then there's maybe maybe you find this one place that you just absolutely love and the the pay is right the work environment is good the your your living situation is is good um, but there's always that drive to do something better and do something to, to to achieve more. So I don't think it's millennial job hopping as much as it is a young person trying to achieve more and climbing that ladder.
2: Rick, but I, I think that makes sense for, especially talking about our generations, but I do, don't do you think that there is, and I, I have seen research to this point um, that young people are less interested in achieving more and, they are, and they're less interested in the ladder as they are maybe a lattice. That was a phrase that one consultant or, or has used. Uh, they want to try, they want new opportunities, they want new skills, they want to almost have like a backpack full of skills, but they're so much more interested in you know, life outside of work that uh, the sacrifices that our generations, you know, I'm a Gen X or you're a boomer, uh, we're willing to make, don't make as much sense to them.
1: Now, I'm silent generation. Ed.
2: You're very unsilent.
1: <laughs> I'm just the silent person, uh, the silent type. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, I still think that whether you're a millennial, and, and yes, okay. So so let's let's say if you're in a large organization, and I, I'm just going to throw out Anne. Um, let's say you're in a large organization that has tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of employees. The opportunities are going to be greater for you to stay with that organization and move within the company. Um, But at smaller organizations, human capital media being one, or or some of the even even cranes, which Ed and I used to work for. um, The opportunities to move aren't as great. And so you have to look outside the organization to find that opportunity to A, make more money, B, move up in your career, and C find an environment that is is right for you? And I will say, Ed, that finding that environment is number three on most people's list. Now, dispute that with your numbers. I don't immediately have
2: a number for that. <laughs> I, don't know that but I think people do want to have um, a strong sense of purpose. Uh, that remains. It's the Last time I checked, some of the job priorities and balance was a big thing. So, you know, the the perfect work environment. I'm not sure. You know, maybe you're right that it's there but I will say that it is possible. And that's one, one thing that I think that I've discovered a great place to work uh, over the last couple of years is that there really are some pretty amazing firms that aren't just fantasy. Uh, you know, we, we might've thought about it when we were in our day-to-day reporting over the years, Rick, but some of these companies do really create great experience for, for all their people.
1: That's true. Um, I think that it starts at the top, but I also think that the employees, have to buy in and create that amongst themselves so it's it's not just from leadership um I think it also starts it can be from the bottom up as well
0: to the point about sense of purpose um, my my mom just had her retirement ceremony last weekend and she'll be retiring in a couple of weeks and she's been with the same organization for 40 years she's been with them since the 70s and I think it's her it's the sense of purpose the sense of uh, she, she's a biologist, and she's working in the regulatory environment. And that sense of purpose is, I think, what really kept her there. Of course, the the money was um, was perfectly fine as well, allowing her to retire at a reasonably young age. And um, but I think it her her sense of purpose toward the job is really what kept her going. But there were some bad bosses along the way that made her question that. Certainly, but it, it all worked out and. Uh, she's been able to to create a, a great career. I know that she's in the minority, having the same, uh, working for the same organization for forty years. But she had that sense of purpose going into it. I think I think people might have to have that that intrinsic motivation, but then also, of course, find an organization that reasonably accommodates their needs as well, with work life balance, with pay, with decent management, etc.
1: Well, yeah. Uh... She is in the minority because I, I just don't see I, I think more of us would like to be in that minority where mm-hmm. we are able to have that sense of purpose and and in a, a place where we can work and, and, and feel value and that we're adding value, but also that the, the organization values us. I just I, I think we we all want that sense of purpose.
2: And I think that it's possible that we'll all get it. I mean, I don't think it has to be a minority. Uh. That your mother was in. So many of us are currently in that, and I agree we currently are. If, if the engagement figures are, you know, well less than half of people are engaged. I mean, it's closer to twenty percent, maybe even according to some recent figures. Um, but I think that's one of the exciting things about encouraging young people to demand more, uh, because I think we've seen millennials make a dent in in what companies are having to do. And and I my tendency is to trust people. To have that intrinsic motivation, Lauren. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that that if you and, and it's really the the function of leaders. Uh, can can they bring it out of, of everybody? Can they bring out the best? Can they max? Well, we talk about maximize human potential. It, it sounds a little cold potentially, but really we're talking about just bring bringing the best out of people. You know that that's the business term you might say the, the maximizing of human potential. When you can bring your all at work, you're going to be happy, and so is your your company. Um, and it, so I think you know that it, it's possible and when we see it happening at, at hundreds, if not thousands of companies around the world.
1: I don't know if I like this, Ed, we're agreeing too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so on that high note, I'm going to ask the last question. Uh, what advice do each of you have for employers hoping to be a great place to work for all generations?
2: I'll, I'll let Ed start. You can go, go first, Rick. Uh being so nice to each other <laughs> so, seriously, yeah you, you're called you want me to go first or do
1: you want to go first yeah I'll go
2: first <laughs> Good.
1: all right so how can they be a great place to work for all generations managing across generations does have its challenges um, I, I think you still manage a boomer in many of the same ways that you manage a Gen A Gen Z-er or a Gen Y or a Gen Xer. I I just see that there are basic management principles: uh, caring, trust, um, sometimes having to be uh, sometimes having to be the bad guy, but treating everybody fairly and being transparent. Um, and I think it starts at that management level. You can have your leadership, a uh, uh, Elon Musk type person uh, who's charismatic and uh, potentially a great leader. Um, But I think you need that that ground level management to really be able to uh, keep all the employees focused and working toward a common goal. And there are times when you have to be a tough guy and there are other times when you just have to sometimes coddle them. But I think I think that's where it begins. And I think that's how you really develop a, a great place to work.
2: I would I would agree with you that that leadership and management is again. Is really You're agreeing with me again. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree too. I mean, our our research suggests that that relationships are at the center of a great workplace. Um, uh, this is what our founder found when he studied workplaces more than 25 years ago, uh, writing the first book about the 100 best companies to work for, uh, and that the, the most important one is the relationship with your leader uh, in, for employees. Um, also, the relationship of your colleagues is crucial, the camaraderie piece, and also the pride that you may take in your job, so the relationship with your job. But I think, uh, you know, your your question, Lauren, is kind of about how do you, what can you do as a company? And the most, the, the, the strongest lever you have or the best lever is that leadership piece that Rick is getting at. Uh, and I, I do think there are some common, you know, universal ones for all the generations. Uh, and like you said, Rick, trust is at the center, like respect and fairness, credibility of the, the terms we use. But part of that respect piece, I think, is listening to people of different ages and generations. And one thing that, that I, have, you know, I, the, the research I've seen that moves me in terms of some of these generational differences that matter are, say, the what, what some people call like the psychological narrative of different generations. And for example, um, I, I was talking to the folks at Workday, uh, you know, one of the HCM vendors, but also a great workplace. They have, you know, paid attention to the notion that that, that, that Gen X, for Gen X, People giving feedback is like scary. You know, usually people like me got feedback when we're in trouble. So the concept of, of feedback is like, you know, it's a th- it's a threat, right? But for Gen Y, for millennials, if they don't get feedback, it's a threat because then they're they're not sure they're on the right path. Uh, they're staying in, in touch with the, the leaders or the people that matter to them. So it's it's a radically different mindset there, and and you have to kind of pay attention to. Doing that, getting everyone on the same page, or at least or personalizing how you how you manage those folks.
1: Yeah, but see, Ed, um, I don't, I, don't, I, I think the millennials are the ones who are finally voicing that. You know, it's I remember plenty mm-hmm. of times. It's just like, damn, am I doing a good job here? Am I am I doing okay? Nobody's saying anything to me, but I wouldn't voice it. Now we seem to have mm-hmm. a generation um, of workers who are coming out and saying things like that, and and it's become common knowledge that there needs to be reinforcement. And, you know, you can talk about helicopter parents or, you know, everybody gets a trophy, but ultimately that's a good thing. Um, to be able to provide feedback.
2: You're getting so soft in your old age, man. Uh, <laughs> hate it. I, I, know, I, know, I, I like what you're saying. And uh, I really, everybody does want that connection. Right. And, but up to now it's, it's, that's been our, our preference or, or the, when we get feedback, at least you know I, I know you're an older, full than me dude. So, uh, but it, it it there is a ring of truth to that. When I heard that story from from Workday's uh, head of, head of HR, Greg Pryor, he was basically saying, yeah, it, it rang true to me that if you're going to get called into the boss's office, normally that's a problem because we got so little feedback. Uh, but that's one reason why I'm hopeful about the younger folks pushing for more feedback because we all benefit from it. In uh, that sense, I I really think that when we and then when that happens just to kind of throw in our, our mission plug here like we're going to build a better world along the way if, if we get everybody's all these different generations having a good experience at work it, it doesn't just help those individual employees it helps the business and then it ripples out to the rest of the world uh because then really all the good vibes the, the the lack of disrespect you could say uh means that people are not being crummy parents uh you know less patient community members, there's a lot of goodness and and positive energy that that spills out of organizations when they are great places to work for everybody, for all. And uh, and Gen Z can really be at the heart of this this hopeful movement.
0: Well, on that note, um, I'm gonna close this out. I thought this was a great conversation. So thank you so much for joining me, Rick and Ed, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Share your thoughts by emailing editor at talenteconomy.io. Bye.